Lord, we are a group of women who have come before you today. And we all have either dealt with anxiety in our own lives or have met someone who has anxiety. And we just pray that you would teach us how to be still and know that you are God, that you love us, that you have the best plans in mind for us. Help us to trust in your character, your goodness, and your greatness. Lord, I just pray that you would help Jen today be with her spirit. Let the Holy Spirit speak through her. And help us to knock down the facades and the walls and be real with one another during the forum and also afterwards to have amazing discussions and and be able to help and support one another. Lord, none of us wants to be anxious, and yet... Many of us have this affliction, and we, we want to give it to you. And sometimes it's a daily drop-down-at-your-feet activity. And, Lord, we just we want to be women of faith and growing in that faith. And we just pray that you would help us to have that head knowledge become heart knowledge and, and practice in our daily lives. We thank you for the blessings that we are about to receive. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you. So I'm here today. um, This is a very personal forum for me. I'm here because the Lord has really laid on my heart the need to share the personal struggle that I've had with anxiety in my life, and especially the extreme anxiety that I had after my father passed away. For those that don't know me, um, I'm not a trained counselor. I don't have any formal schooling on this subject, but I do know what I've experienced in my life with regards to the emotional prison of anxiety. We know that anxiety is mentioned in the Bible more than once, and so we we know that there is a definitive battle surrounding it, a spiritual battle surrounding it. But I want to be very clear on this, and this is very important to me. For some Healing may include medication and or therapy, and there are phenomenal resources out there for that. But I am not qualified to discuss those clinical avenues, and so those will not be the focus for today. We are going to be talking about battling anxiety from a spiritual perspective. Um, I am hoping for some audience participation um, during this forum um, at various points, but for the sake of time, I'm not going to pass the mic around. I will try and repeat what is said um, I also have prepared some packets of information that will be available in the back um, for when you leave. So if you have to leave early, please know that there will be um, some helpers in the back that can help you uh, find that information if you're you're interested. So let's start today um, just by, by covering the basics. What is anxiety? Just shout it out. What is anxiety to you? It doesn't have to be long. It can be quick words, whatever, whatever. What is anxiety to you? Worry, okay? Overwhelmed. Lack of faith, debilitating, fear, yeah, all negative words, pardon me, darkness, okay, did I hear something over here, what was it, sorry, dwelling on something, so like a kind of an obsessive kind of a dwelling, okay, all right, out of control, okay, pardon me, crippling, beautiful, stressed out, Not that crippling is beautiful, but it does give us that word picture of, (laughs) we're a little paralyzed. Yes, yes. Okay. So um, when I was looking for a a complete definition, I I actually kind of left Webster's alone and kind of just came up with basically a couple sentences 
that um, encompassed everything that you just talked about. So this is the full-on everything that I've experienced in my life with regards to anxiety. It is an overwhelming sense of apprehension and worry mixed with an unhealthy dose of doubt, fear, and uneasiness, typically accompanied by excessive nervousness, stress, and tension. Okay, and to that, we are going to add some characteristics of anxiety because it would not fit on this board. So, anxiety also stems from a perceived loss of control. It subtracts God from the future. It refuses to listen to reason. It feeds on small doubts, focuses on illogical thought patterns, depends on self to fix the problem, will not yield and submit without a fight, and becomes impatient with God's timing. So we know what the Bible says about anxiety in Philippians 4, 6. In the King James Version, it says that we are to be careful for nothing. And I think we can agree that the word careful does translate into the word anxious in, in today's language. So based on this definition and these characteristics, let's agree then that this verse is definitely referring to destructive anxiety, the kind that flings us into a fearful state of panic. And then let's also define what it is not referring to. It is not referring to thoughtful and prayerful planning for the future. It is not referring to healthy concern for someone's soul salvation. It is not referring to the godly conviction and sorrow that we feel for sin. And it is not referring to the proper righteous fear of God. Okay, I wanted to be clear that this is destructive anxiety that we are talking about today. Okay, so we've talked about what anxiety is. Now let's start listing. I'm going to have a little whiteboard activity here. Start listing some of the things that cause us anxiety. And you can start shouting them out from the audience. Uh, my handwriting is probably going to be a little messy, but the point is I'm, I'm trying to do a visual here. So um, just start calling out what kind of things in your life cause anxiety. In fact, I will start with public speaking for me because <laughs> that is exactly what I experienced. Public speaking causes anxiety for me. Okay. <laughs> Health issues, okay? Say that again. Children. <laughs> Fear of the future. Okay? Yes. Okay. Time. What was that? Oh, sorry. Okay, so we have finance, finances, public speaking, health, uh, time, children, fear of the future, unrealistic expectations so far. Trauma, yes. Okay. Failure. Lack of self-care. Good. Change. That's a big one, I think, for a lot of us. Loss. Anyone else? How about some symptoms of anxiety? Let's talk about symptoms of anxiety. What do we experience when anxiety rears its ugly head in our lives? Lack of sleep. Good. Depression. Depression. 
obsessions of all sorts, right? Thoughts and otherwise. Okay, so physical. Okay, so leading sometimes to suicide or suicidal thoughts. Mm -hmm. Insecurity. Can you repeat that? I'm sorry. Irritability. Okay. Okay. So withdrawing, isolation, which sometimes we just shut down and we withdraw, right? Panic. Panic. Yes, panic attacks, which come with all sorts of physical things of their own. Okay? Irrational thoughts. Okay, I have room for one more down here in the corner. Eating. Eating, sure. So it becomes a kind of an obsessive thing. Okay. All right, so bear with me for a moment um, because I want to do a visual here. And I'm, I know that there's more that we've, um, we've dealt with. Um, sometimes, but I think this is a good start. And it's messy on purpose because we're going to talk about the fact that Philippians 4 6 clearly states that we are to be anxious for nothing. That's what it says. So if this represents a life filled with the ugliness of anxiety, then this side of the board is going to represent the abundant life, the kind filled with love joy, peace, freedom, the kind that Jesus prayed for us to have. This life is truly defined by an absence of all of this. Nothing of this should be here. But when I first read Philippians 4, 6, it almost to me seemed like an impossible mandate. How do we keep this from leaking into our abundant lives? How do we stop this? Honestly, it was a struggle for me. So, I went back to the Word and realized that the verses after Philippians 4, 6 give us some definitive verses, some spiritual things that we can stand on to battle against anxiety. And so today, we are going to start with surrender, followed by a lot of prayer. We're going to discuss Discipline, perspective, discernment, bear with me, it's going to take a minute for me to get this up there, trust, growth, peace, thankfulness, Joy, patience, and last but not least, helpfulness. These are the marks of the cross. This is what is going to help us stop this ugliness of anxiety from leaking into this abundant life that Jesus prayed and desires for us to have. This is our spiritual battle, and this is where we're going to start. Anxiety for me was not just a, I had it one moment, and then 
I was able to apply all of this, and it was magically gone. That's not how this works. This is about working hard, working with the Holy Spirit, working together so that we can overcome through these marks of the cross. They still help me. I battled anxiety this week at camp, and I had to go back, and I had to put into practice the things that I've learned over the past few years. Some of these, they might seem overwhelming at first. They sure were to me. But remember that each journey starts with small steps and then becomes easier as you walk it, especially when we can walk it together. So we're going to start with surrender. Psalm 18:6. In my distress, I called upon the Lord and cried unto my God. He heard my voice out of his temple, and my cry came before him, even unto his ears. Pride in this verse literally translates into a scream for help. And that's exactly what surrender starts with. It's an acknowledgement of our need, a desire, a deep desire to be released from our burden. I read a quote once that surrender sometimes is the sweet lifting of our arms during a worship song, but I think more often than not, surrender is a sweaty battle on our knees. So it is time to cast your burden on the Lord. Name your fear out loud. Present your worry to him. Yell it out. Whisper it softly. Whatever it takes, give it over to God. Make known your request. Be honest about it. And don't just use a gentle toss. Pick it up and heave it with all your might. Sometimes my anxiety was so bad that all I could do literally was face plant in the carpet and pound my fist on the floor and whisper the name Jesus. And that's all God needed to hear. Hebrews 4.16 Let us therefore come boldly unto the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. So hand in hand with surrender is prayer. Just like in real world warfare, Satan's first line of attack is going to be to cut off your communication with God. That is his first line of attack. The second part of his strategy is going to make us feel ashamed and embarrassed and wanting to withdraw because we cannot believe that we, especially as Christians, are struggling with anxiety. How does this happen to us? We are believers. And so he uses those two strategies together. That is a lethal combination. If he can get you to stop talking to God because you feel unworthy, then he has you in the dark completely without any understanding of what's going on around you. But what does it say here? God's word says that we are to come boldly into the throne room, knowing that we belong there. Why? Because we have been invited by the heavenly father himself. Always, always work to keep those lines of communication open between you and God. Next, we're going to talk about discipline. Philippians 4.8 Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of good report, if there be any virtue and if there be any praise, think on these things. So this verse is all about getting a grip on those out-of-control thoughts. And for me, that's one of the hardest things about battling anxiety. So I start by taking the thought fitness test. If it is not fit to be in the presence of God, 
It is not fit to be in my head. It is time to get rid of it. If it is not honest or true or just or pure or lovely, get rid of it. We need to be disciplined in our thought process so that we can stop the negativity, refocus away from the dismal, push out the condemning chatter, refuse to continue in that endless worry loop, and then take the exit before the downward spiral begins. Sometimes, for me, practically, I just I physically have to hold up my hand and I have to say no. I have to say stop. Other times, I'll throw up a mental shield and try and duck behind it. Or maybe I visualize a wall so that I can build it to stop those thoughts from coming through. One of my favorites, I love to slam a mental gate shut, especially if I can give it a really satisfying slam. That always kind of gives me a little boost of energy. But notice that these are all action words. We must work at disciplining our thoughts. It just does not happen overnight. So I would like to open it up a little bit for discussion right now. These are some of the visualizations that I use to help stop my thoughts. And I'd love to hear some suggestions, thoughts, comments, anybody who's willing to share how we can work at disciplining our thoughts. Yes. That's beautiful. So focusing on the Lord, listing attributes, that's beautiful. Thank you for sharing that. Is there anyone else? Yes. Okay. That's a great visualization. So I'm going to repeat it so everybody can hear it, especially for the recording. So there was, she has a mental basket that needs to be filled at the end of every day. So anything that needs to be given up needs to go in the basket so that she can move on. Okay. All right. Saying the name of Jesus, it's really as simple as that. I've said it probably 200 times in a row just because I literally could not think of anything else to say and that's what I needed. So saying the name of Jesus, speak the name, so powerful. Yes, back here. Okay, yes, Take, taking, so focusing on someone else, praying on for somebody else's needs, good. We'll touch on that in a little bit as well. Over here, yes. That's right. Music is a powerful, powerful tool, especially when sung, obviously, in praise to God. That's, that's great. Okay, just for the sake of time, I am going to move on here. Thank you for your um, thoughts on that. Okay, the next one is perspective. 2 Corinthians 4.17 For our light affliction, which is but for a moment, worketh for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. So with anxiety... It is really, really easy to obsess over one small moment. Frequently, I found myself literally frozen in place, staring at nothing except this anxious moment. And that is the time that it's time to change the perspective. Make yourself look up. Look around. The Lion of Judah is walking right beside you. You are not alone in this battle. Other women have also walked the same path. We wouldn't be here today if we didn't have at least one anxious thought in our life. This is usually for perspective when I reach out to other women in my life, women that have known my struggle. And I I text them, or just with a few words, I'm able to reach out. They have already rooted and grounded themselves in the word of the Lord, and they know my struggles. And they send me texts with... Bible verses, they come pray with me. We talk it out so that we can gain the godly perspective that we need for that one obsessive moment. And then we can move forward. So another way to change the perspective is really to ask yourself some pertinent questions. 
Will this matter in five years? In other words, am I making a big deal out of something that really is nothing? Is this a real fear? Now, while some fears are healthy because they're meant to warn us of danger, but we need to learn to recognize what is what. Which fear is healthy, which fear is not. Am I trying to control the situation? This is a defensive move. It's a favorite one of mine. I buckle down and I just want to control everything. Am I letting emotions rule? Be aware that sometimes our feelings as women, unfortunately, flare up and they take over. Is this a joy-stealing moment? Recognize that this is a battle designed by the devil to throw us off course. Am I surrounded by chaos? Sometimes we've overloaded our lives. I mean, nobody does multiple things here at once, right? Wrong. Of course we do. We're women. So maybe we just need some extra rest. Maybe we just need to give it a little bit more time. Embrace the reality that God desires for us to view every single situation with the eyes of eternity. And if you can view this struggle from his perspective, it does become a light and momentary thing. But how do we practically do that? I'd like to have some discussion on that. How do we practically think beyond this one moment? How do we see with eternal eyes? Does anyone have any thoughts or comments on that? In the back. Sure. So it's time to move on when you can kind of reverse the situation. Put yourself in the other person's shoes if they said that to you. Good, good. That's a great way of changing perspective. That's right, looking backwards to see how God has answered prayers and how he has performed miracles in our lives in other ways. Absolutely, absolutely. Over here? (laughs) Yes, that is true. (laughs) Yes, sometimes my husband's like, really? Like, (laughs) this is a no-brainer. Let's move on from this. (laughs) Very good. Thank you for that. (laughs) Okay, let's move on to discernment. Psalm eighteen twenty eight, for thou wilt be, for thou wilt light my candle. The Lord my God will enlighten my darkness. Okay, let's try um, to illustrate this point a little bit better. I'd like to do a quick uh, object lesson as a as a group. So I read about this once, and I thought it was kind of a neat thing. I want you to, as a group, take a look around the room, and I want you to make note of everything that is the color red. So just take a look around. Everything that's red. Okay. Now, without taking your eyes off of me, I want you to recall everything that was yellow. (laughs) That's exactly how the devil works. He distracts us. He wants you to be so focused on the bad that you ignore God's truth, represented obviously by the yellow. So, what does does he want us to keep focused on? Well, self-condemnation is right there at the top of the list. Because he does not want us to see ourselves as anything other than a mess. The frantic need to be in control, because while this temporarily makes us feel better, I guarantee it pretty much makes everybody else around us completely miserable. Fear of the future. This is, we talked about this on the board, right? Because this type of unhealthy fear is a paralyzing force that stops us from moving forward. Lies about our self worth. This is a big one. He does not want you to remember how precious you are to God. He wants us to focus on doubt regarding God's promises. After all, 
Satan is the father of lies. And then, of course, we kind of talked on it already, but those destructive thought patterns, if he can keep you focused on that, then that starts the vicious cycle all over again, and we're right back to where we started. So focusing on any of these will bring about eventual defeat. But we know that the power of Jesus Christ is stronger than anything, and I mean anything, that Satan can throw your way. So get rid of them through the power of prayer and the recognition that every single time you open your Bible, you will find a direct promise to combat each and every lie that is thrown your way. Every single time, I guarantee it. And then ask God for that wisdom to know the difference between what is the truth and what is a lie in your life. Next, we have trust. Jeremiah 17, 7 and 8. Blessed is the man that trusteth in the Lord, and whose hope the Lord is. For he shall be as a tree planted by the waters, and that spreadeth out her roots by the river, and shall not see when heat cometh, but her leaf shall be green, and shall not be careful in the year of drought, neither shall cease from yielding fruit. What an absolutely beautiful word picture the Bible has here. This tree has grown such deep roots towards that life-saving source of water, trusting that the living waters will not only help it survive the hard times, but actually bear fruit during those hard times. And that's exactly how God wants us to trust him. The battle against anxiety, it is often a daily struggle. But remember, like we talked before, you are not walking alone. Trust that God is walking with you, beside you, before you, and he lives in you. There are days when we can stand and fight with the Lord's strength arming us. But then there are days when we, he carries us and fights the battle for us. But what difference does that make? Either way, we win as long as we trust that ultimate victor. In my quest to give up my obsessive need to control everything, I really had to learn to say three simple yet very hard words to the Lord. I trust you. I trust you with the future, despite the fact that my husband has cancer. I trust you with my unsaved children, because you love them more than I do. This was a tremendous, tremendous breaking down of who I was and who God needed me to be. So think about your own personal fears. Are you able to say that you trust the Lord with them? And if not, think about why. Is there something in your life holding you back from that complete trust? Proverbs 4, 20 through 22. My son, attend to my words. Incline thine ear unto my sayings. Let them not depart from thine eyes. Keep them in the midst of thine heart. For they are life unto those that find them, and health to all their flesh. So this, this part is going to focus on growth. And I just want to... I want to talk about a little skit that was done um, during our VBS theme last year. I really wish that I could have done this for you in person, but in a few minutes you'll probably understand why. So last year, um, our VBS theme was the armor of God. And in the middle of one of the adult classes, uh, Brother Tim Taba decided to come in dressed completely from head to toe in um, hockey equipment. He had on the helmet, the chest pads, the shoulder thingies, the, I don't, I don't know, I'm Canadian and I don't even know all the hockey things, but you get the point. <laughs> he was literally covered head to toe, 
as a hockey player. And him being a big guy, it was kind of an imposing feature at the front of our class, right? Then he instructed us to take the tennis balls that he had put on the desk and using a Sharpie marker, put down an anxiety or a fear on it. And then he stood there and said, now I want you to take those tennis balls and throw them at me with all your might. So we did. It was kind of fun. <laughs> I mean, to be honest, it was kind of fun. So from the back of the class, the front of the class, which is really close, right, from the sides, I mean, these tennis balls all came flying at him, and he literally just stood there. He really could have cared less. I mean, it was such an awesome skit to see in action what the armor of God really does for us. Now, that was, that was pretty tremendous in of itself, but what happened afterwards was completely unplanned and really drove home the point. He thought we were all done throwing balls, so he went to take off his helmet. And out of the corner of his eye, one of the young guys, I'm not going to mention any names, decided to take a tennis ball and just whip it at his head. And what did he do? He flinched and he ducked. His armor was off. It is our job to pick up our armor and put it on every single day. Every time anxiety rears its ugly heads, run to your Bible. If you cut your finger and it's bleeding, you run to make something stop it, right? The same concept applies here. But what good does it do when our Bible is sitting on a shelf completely unopened? Growth requires spent time, time spent, excuse me, meditating on God's word. Make a list of your favorite verses. Keep them close. Concentrate on each word, writing them on your heart. Remember answered prayers and wonderful outcomes from the past. Reflect on treasured promises. Walk daily with God, bringing every single situation into the light of his word. Grow those deep roots, just like our tree earlier. Firmly plant in God's soil and let those hard times make you reach deep. So I would like to stop here for a moment and have a discussion about studying the word of God. If it's, if it's a matter of spiritual life or death, why do we struggle so hard sometimes to read it? How can we change it? What can we make it a priority to do? Or what is your favorite way to study? I'd love to open up for some discussion right now. If anybody's willing to share anything that they have found helps them study the word. Over here. I love that. That was beautiful. Thank you for sharing. I heard some key words in there. So making time to actually open the word and in the word itself and picking a verse and concentrating on that verse and then also using that to journal. I found journaling also is something that really helps me. I have actually a binder that I created, and in that binder I've made different sections. So I, I have one section that's my favorite Bible verses, and then I have another section that has maybe different themes. So maybe there's a theme on joy, or there's a theme on peace, or there's a theme on whatever. And then sometimes I, I just literally journal. Um, so find whatever works for you, whatever gets you into the Word. Be excited about it. It is life, life-giving to be in the Word. Next, we're going to talk about peace. Isaiah 26.3 Thou wilt keep him in perfect peace, whose mind is stayed on thee, because he trusteth in thee. So I'm going to describe um, a painting challenge, actually, that two artists were given. This is probably one of my most favorite stories to say, so those from Beverly Hills have probably heard this a number of times. But um, the first artist, his depiction of peace was to create a canvas that had the most beautiful meadow possible on it. 
I mean, the, the trees were blossoming, the sky was blue, the sun was out, there was little birds, you could practically hear them singing. You know, the flowers were just stunning in their, in their colors. The second artist decided to paint an ocean scene. But this just wasn't any ocean scene. This was the ocean in the midst of a very fierce storm. We're talking black clouds and lightning, and the waves were just crashing into this gigantic rock that was in the middle of this painting. But what isn't easily seen in this picture is a very small bird. Not squawking in fear, not trembling and panicking and trying to get away from the storm, this bird is tucked into the cleft of a rock, sleeping, knowing and trusting and believing that the rock that is sheltering it will keep it safe. And that's exactly how God asks us to trust him, that in the midst of our overwhelming circumstances, we can still say, it is well with my soul. That is peace that passes all understanding. Psalm 46.10 says, be still and know that I am God. Anxiety is really loud. My heart is usually beating out of my chest. There's a thousand thoughts screaming for attention in my head. So I created a place to go where I could be quiet, learning to listen from the shepherd of my soul. I made time to take long looks at the beauty of his creation and the passion that he has for his people but I also learned to listen for his gentle whisper during my busy day. By fixing my eyes on Jesus and not the storm, I could depend on God's peace to still those anxieties in my soul. Because staying on the path of destructive anxiety never, ever leads to peace. But God's way always does. Thankfulness. Philippians 4, 6 and 7. Be careful for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God, and the peace of God, which passeth all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Okay, this being our um, key verse here, there's already elements that we've discussed in this. Um, obviously, careful is, translates to anxious, and then God used the word nothing to emphasize that there are no exceptions when it comes to destructive anxiety. We are to keep an open communication with God through prayer, casting our burdens on him by making known our requests. We know that we can trust God's promises concerning peace because he has given peace a job. It is to guard our hearts and our minds our hearts, the emotional part of us, our minds, the intellectual part of us. Peace has a job from God. That means that God is invested in our spiritual well-being. But right there in the middle of these verses is that word thanksgiving. And you might ask, what is there to be thankful for? Honestly, anxiety hurts. It's painful. Why thanksgiving? In the midst of my worst anxiety, when I was absolutely thrashing about in anguish, a good friend of mine challenged me to start a list of 1,000 things that I was thankful for. It was such an eye-opener. I started with small things and then quickly realized that an attitude of gratitude actually helps change the perspective in which I view this struggle. I discovered it could really be an amazing growth opportunity. 
I appreciated that his refining fire was burning away a lot of personal imperfections and was allowing faith to shine like the gold that he wanted it to. Joy. Psalm 118, verse 24. This is the day which the Lord hath made. We will rejoice and be glad in it. So depend on God's strength and his strength alone to give you the ability to choose joy despite your circumstances. Imagine the joy that your heavenly father experiences when you choose to trust him even in the midst of your pain. Slam that door shut on any anxious thought about tomorrow. Train your mind to focus on today and today only because God has made it and it is good. And I'm not talking about putting on a happy face with a fake smile here. That is not the joy I'm referring to. This type of joy is deep and abiding from the depths of your soul, found by resting in the shadow of the Almighty. And the knowing, the absolute knowing that you are fully loved, deeply cherished, and completely protected. From this place of refuge, we can begin looking for those rays of hope. But honestly, sometimes this can seem very overwhelming. So if you're bound by depression right now, start small. Find something every day. One thing every day that can give you joy. Maybe it's a beautiful flower. Maybe it's the smile on a child's face. Maybe it's the smell of your grilled cheese sandwich. I don't know. Find something, one thing every day. Keep finding joy because eventually you will find that you can rejoice not only over those little things but also the big, bigger things because choosing joy has become as natural as breathing to you. That is what God desires for us. Next, we're going to deal with patience. Patience. Romans 12, 12. Rejoicing in hope, patient in tribulation, continuing instant in prayer. Okay, nobody likes to discuss this word. Nobody likes to pray for this word, right? But we are going to discuss it because patience requires practice. And practice requires patience. So don't be discouraged on those days when anxiety strikes again. Forming new habits and new thought patterns, it is not a one-and-done type of a thing. You're going to have to make the choice and then do it again and then do it again in two minutes until the new way of thinking and your new thought patterns and your habits in life, such as choosing joy, become part of who you are in Christ because of the sanctifying power of the Holy Spirit. So after suffering what seemed like so long with crippling anxiety, I wanted everything to be fixed immediately. I was done. I did not want to deal with this anymore. But God needed to teach me that battling anxiety required practice along with a healthy dose of patience. And that's how these lessons would become lifelong patterns. I needed to learn to strip away those layers of self-reliance and the illusion of control I was so falsely holding on to and that paralyzing grip of fear. By practicing patience, we become remolded into a closer image of Jesus Christ himself. And last but not least, we have helpfulness. 2 Corinthians 1, 3 and 4. Blessed be God, even the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies, and the God of all comfort, who comforteth us in all our tribulation, that we may be able to comfort them which are in any trouble 
by the comfort wherewith we ourselves are comforted of God. So I love that this was brought out a little bit earlier. We need to look for ways to help others. Delight in the fact that you are able to comfort others with the same comfort that God has given you already. Take your attention off yourself and become invested in the spiritual prosperity of someone else. Because the less we focus on ourselves, the less we focus on our anxiety. Helping others actually helps our own healing process. But this was a very tricky one for me. Because honestly, it seemed like everything that I could do to help caused me anxiety. It's true. I I would think, okay, I can prepare a meal for somebody. Oh, no, I might contaminate the food. Okay, okay, let's find something else. Okay, Sunday mornings. Oh, I could watch a a young baby for a young mother so she could go into church. Nope, I'm going to drop the baby on its head. (laughs) Okay, now what? I was getting a little frustrated, so I got on my knees and I asked, Lord, what can I do to help? How can I offer comfort? And he said, start small. Start small. Be that listening ear. Send a card in the mail. That can't cause anxiety, right? Start small, somewhere, anywhere. He can use you no matter where you are at. And if you start small and and move on to those bigger steps, eventually your journey towards healing will be filled with ways that you can help other people. In closing, I'd like to leave you with some final thoughts. I do want to have a little bit of time for discussion. As the song lyrics go, the same power, the same power that rose Jesus from the dead lives in us. 2 Timothy 1.7 says, For God hath not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. Sisters, do you know what this really means? It means no more cowering in the corner, trembling in fear. We are daughters of the king. So let's live like it, act like it, think like it. Remember to whom you belong. I think it is time to get rid of the anxiety in our lives. It is time to tell the devil, no, not today. No, we are not going to face anxiety today without battling it without God's help. Without God's help. With God's help, sorry. We're not going to be overwhelmed. We're not going to focus on the unhealthy. We're going to get rid of all the excessive that causes so much issues in our lives. We are going to surrender our apprehension. We are going to pray over our worries. We are going to discipline our thoughts to get rid of doubt. We're going to change to an eternal perspective to get rid of fear. We're going to choose joy instead of uneasiness. We're going to replace nervousness with thankfulness. And we're going to trust that the peace of God is going to get rid of the stress and the tension in our lives. As you leave today, if you wish, I have extra of these. If you would like to make a commitment to battling anxiety, put something on one of these little pieces of paper. Stick it on this board. Let us commit to fighting with the Lord's help the anxiety that struggles to take over in our lives. I would like to have a prayer together. And then I'm probably going to ask that the recording be turned off for anybody who wants to share.
or ask me questions. That way we know that we can speak and we can speak freely without thinking that this is going to be recorded. So let's bow together in prayer. Father God, you have invited us into your throne room. It is a personal, very personal invitation so that we can bow our hearts before you and that we can cry. We can do that scream for help, Father, because you have promised that you would be there. Anxiety hurts and it paralyzes and it's destructive. And Father, we as women today, we want to commit to battling anxiety, but we know that we need your help. We need to trust that you are our ultimate victor, that you will help us battle through your word. You have given us so many tools, Father. You have given us each other. And we hear the roar of the Lion of Judah on our behalf. And so I pray for every single woman in this place and for those that weren't able to make it, Father, I pray that your spirit would give them the knowledge to be able to fight against what is such a paralyzing force in our lives. I pray, Father, that we would weep tears. I pray that we would journey together. I pray in the name of Jesus, Father, that we can break down this stronghold, that in your name we can conquer and we can be free, that we can live that abundant life, that we can travel on this journey, Father, towards what your son prayed for, a life that is abundant, filled with hope and peace and joy and comfort and freedom, this side of heaven. I thank you, Jesus, for being with us in this place today. In your name, amen.